Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Happy Easter. I know you've heard it already, but please hear it from me. My name is Ben, and from our very inception, which was February 2011, I've had a distinct privilege and honor to serve as the lead pastor here at Epic, which means I've been here for every one of our Easter's, even when you couldn't be here over the last two years. And I don't know, if you would have been in this empty room over the last two years, you would be thrilled to be here today. Anybody glad to be here today? One of the gifts that we give you as a first-time guest is a, a one-line-a-day a line journal. It, it, it Basically, every date over a five-year period, and I'm in year 10 of doing it for me personally, just so you know. So earlier this week, I was reading from April 2020, which is a bit depressing. Anybody, if you have that, like go back and... I go back to 18 or 19, but, um, and what I read in 2020, I read this to my wife as we were getting ready for bed. I was like, oh, it's super interesting. April, whatever, 2020, the governor says mass gatherings may be a few months away. Or a couple of years, but who's counting? Anyway, here we are. I'm thrilled that you're here. I believe because of your presence here today that whether you're here to check off a box or because someone invited you or they promised you brunch or you lost a bet or whatever you're doing here, I believe this is going to be a meaningful hour of your life. And I believe it's going to be so meaningful that it could change the rest of your life forever. I believe that. Is it just me or do some things in life take way too long while others are over way too quickly. I mean, the work week, sometimes it just drags on. But the weekend, it's over like that. How about it's a really hot day in Southern California, and you're at Disneyland because you told yourself this is the happiest place on earth. It's 100 degrees, and you're not the only one at Disneyland. Everyone's at Disneyland and you're waiting in line forever. You don't know if there's even a ride at the end of the line. And if your luck is like mine, the, the, the ride's going to break down when you're like next up. But waiting in those lines forever, and some of you save up your round for this. And you're like, but we got a $20 turkey leg. I'm like, that's awesome. But you've waited in line forever, but you finally get on the ride. You're on the ride, and 12.4 seconds later, the ride is over. And you haven't learned your lesson, so you go to the next line. No, Ben, we've got fast pass. We can come back eight hours from now and only wait 30 minutes. That's awesome. I mean, let's be honest. A terrible first date, the longest two hours of your life. An amazing first date, how did those seven hours fly by? <laughs> 
It's fascinating, isn't it? There are some things in life, and you have your category, and I have my category. I, I want these things to be over quickly. I want these things to kind of last forever. Whenever we find ourselves in something that we don't enjoy at all, and it's just dragging on, here's what we say about that thing. This is going to last forever. We say it when we're stuck in traffic. We say it in a boring meeting. You and I have said this a lot over the last two years. I hope you aren't saying this right now about my Easter message. But there are other times when we find ourselves in a moment of delight. We're at a vacation destination with the people we love most at this exotic place, and we we just don't want it to end. We say this about those kinds of things. I hope this lasts forever. When you're having an amazing dining experience with people you love, I I want this to last forever. Right? When you're in a moment of bliss, I, I want this to last forever. Some of you moms and dads, your child, when they hit a certain age, you're like, I want them to stay that age forever. Others of you are like, we haven't found that age yet, right? But whether it's something we love or something we despise, we eventually learn this. Most things don't last forever. Most things last a moment or a season or a couple of years or even a decade or even your entire earthly lifetime. But most things don't last forever. I do have good news for you. Of the few things that last forever, you're actually one of them. You see, whatever you believe when you walked in today, God did not create you to exist for a moment or a season or a couple of years or a decade or even for an earthly lifetime. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it like this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That thing in you that longs to find fulfillment in a way that never ends, you don't need to apologize for that. It was put there by God himself. But listen to me. As long as you and I set our highest hopes on things with expiration dates, our lives will be full of inevitable disappointments. I'll give it to you again. As long as you put your highest hope on something that has an expiration, my career, expiration date. My wealth, expiration date. If you've seen inflation, you know it's coming sooner than you thought. Whatever it is, your earthly life itself, expiration date. If we keep setting our highest hopes on things that have expiration dates, our lives will be filled with inevitable disappointment. So let me ask you this. If you are going to be around forever, and most things won't be, Shouldn't you try to find something else that will be? If you're going to exist forever, but most things won't, shouldn't you set your sights on something else that will? I'm calling this Easter message that I'm delighted to deliver today, more than you can possibly know, what lasts forever. What lasts forever. If you have a copy of your Bible on you, I'm in John chapter 11 all morning long. If you don't have it, no worries. We're going to feed it to you on the screens. But I do want you to stand. It's just a way here at Epic as we say we want to position and posture our bodies to really believe that this could be a word for us. And I do believe that regardless of your age, your gender, your hometown, how long you've been in San Francisco, how long you plan to stay in San Francisco, whatever you did so far this weekend, I just want you to know that everything today is for everyone. It's for everyone, and that's good news for me. So John 11 all morning, I just want to start with the first seven verses. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured, poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about what lasts forever, and I want to use this story. We're just going to sit in John 11 really all all morning long, and first thing I've got to tell you is this. It's always personal with Jesus. It's always personal with Jesus. Jesus doesn't see crowds. He sees people. He sees people. He doesn't see a mass, a glob of humanity. He sees every individual as being created in the image of God himself. Jesus doesn't stay at a distance. You know, when you get so many employees, you have to stay at a distance. Jesus is not limited in the way that you and I as bosses are limited. He's able to be completely close and intimate and personal with every single one of us. The girls say to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. It's always personal with Jesus. You may be familiar, even if you're not a church person. John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the the world. And that is so true. God did so love the world but sometimes that can sound generic, can't it? I mean, if I'm just a number, that's great. I'd rather be loved by that God than hated by that God. But if I'm just a number, uh, that doesn't really hit me. It doesn't do something to my heart about, is, is Ben Pilgrim loved by God? And what I have come to discover, and I'm praying you will be convinced of today, that the love God has for you, it's not just because you're part of some mass of humanity, but he has a love for you and for you, and he has a love for For you, and I think getting convinced of that, and I love how they appeal to Jesus. They're just like, Lord, the one you love is sick. And if you become convinced of the love of Jesus today, no matter what you're going through, sometimes when we're going through something we don't want to go through, we distance ourselves or we start to make assumptions about who God is and especially who God is not. But what if we could do like these ladies, become so convinced that Jesus loves us that we appeal to that love? So they're like, the one you love is sick. What if we just started saying, depending on what you're in the middle of today in this season, Jesus, the one you love is really struggling with his mental health. Jesus, the one you love, she's really struggling with shame and condemnation. Jesus, the one you love, I'm wondering if I'm ever going to be physically healed. Jesus, the one you love, has a job interview this week, and you've seen my bank account, so why don't you do something about that? And just begin to appeal to Jesus as the one you love, talking about yourself. Here's a great question for us, and this question and how you answer it, it changes everything. I'll be honest, I wrote this message probably over a month ago, but it's just been making an impression in a fresh way on my heart this morning. Here's the question. Do you allow your circumstances to shape how you view God's love, or do you allow God's love to shape how you view your circumstances? Massive question. The answer to this and how you personally answer it, whatever the truth is, it really doesn't matter. This is your truth for this moment. What filter are you seeing it all with? Notice what the girls don't say that some of us would have said. Most of us might have said. We would have said something like this. Jesus, since Lazarus is sick, you must not love him. Isn't this what we're doing in our world all the time? Jesus, since the world is broken, you must not care. 
Jesus, since we're in a city filled with injustice and a nation and a world full of injustice, you must not be just. Jesus, when I look at the evil around me, you must not be good. But they don't do that. They do not allow their present circumstances, this is a word for somebody, they do not allow their present circumstances to dictate God's love for them. They use his love and they appeal to his love to change their circumstances. Jesus, the one you love, we don't have a doubt about your love. We've seen you, and they're going to see him pour his life out. The one you love, things are not good. So what we do, and what I do so often, oh, God, my kids are struggling with this. Are you still there? No, 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 God, I know you're there, but they're struggling. Will you do something about it? The one you love's in trouble. The one you love is sick. The one you love needs urgent help. And we recognize the urgency, don't we? And what we just read, and I tried to pause dramatically in verses 5 and 6, it just doesn't make sense. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so he stayed two more days. I have a friend who recently went through a health scare. Lots of tests ran on this woman. I'm texting with her husband. How are things going? He's like, I don't know. Another test, another test, another test. A lot of urgency amongst the medical staff there. They don't know what exactly was going on, so they refer my close friend to a neurologist. She's on the phone, best I remember it, with the neurologist, and the, neurolog- or the person who's you know, on the phone with her representing the neurologist says, I can see from your paper that this is really urgent. The next time we can see you is five weeks from now. Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, so he's like, I'm going to chill here for another 48 You came in today with why questions. I will not be the why answer guy today, but I do need to tell you this. While we can only see our current scene, Jesus sees our whole story. And this is, that's, this is, that whole line is for someone right now watching online or in this room. While you can only see your current scene, Jesus sees the whole story. You can only see defeat. He is already envisioning your victory. You only see the rest of your life with sorrow, and sorrow might coexist, but he sees the joy that's coming and is going to even surprise you before you leave this room today. You only see your bondage. He's already looking ahead to your freedom. You only see a cross. He's anticipating resurrection. And... You have been invited into a story that doesn't end in death. That's what he tells them. This will not end in death. You have personally been invited into a story that doesn't end in death. So Jesus and his disciples, they do eventually arrive at Bethany. Martha, the first of the sisters that comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you had been here, things would be different. If you just would have been here, but, but then she shows her faith. It's pretty incredible. She's like, but I know even now God will give you what you ask. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha, showing her faith, says, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. And that's huge. Martha has faith. You should know that. We are going to, those of us in Jesus, those of us who placed our faith in Jesus, we're going to rise on that day. But Jesus was letting her know, I'm not talking about that day, I'm talking about this day. 
You see, Martha had faith, but Jesus wanted to take her faith to a deeper place. And what I know today is that there's a number of you, you don't have any faith, at least not yet. We're hoping to change that in the next 20 or so. But others of you, it's not that you don't have any faith. Your faith is present, but Jesus wants to take your present faith to a deeper place. He wants to take your Sunday faith to a Monday through Saturday faith. He wants to take your church faith into your work faith, into your parenting faith, into your neighbor faith, into your dating faith, into what you do with your time faith, to how you retire faith. That's what he wants to do. And he's going to do that for Martha. He's like, no, no. He's like, he just tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. You'll see it right here in verses 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Martha and everyone here, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Do you really believe you will live forever? I gotta be honest, I made some food choices yesterday that may tell you I don't believe I'm gonna live forever. Like, yeah. But do you really believe you will live forever? Martha goes to get her sister Mary, and I love this, and she tells Mary, Jesus is calling for you. It's always personal with Jesus. I want to see Mary. And I want you to see what happens in verses 32 through 37. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, again, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Aren't you glad you can take your complaints to Jesus? Whatever you're sitting in today, before we even get to verse 33, like you can take that to him. Jesus, if you had shown up, I would have seen something different happen. 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And just in my prep time this morning, early this morning, Again, remember what I just said to you? Do you allow your circumstances to shape how you see God's love, or do you allow God's love to shape how you see your circumstances? Do you see the two groups right there? One group said, oh, my gosh, he's weeping. Look how he loved him. The other group's going, really? Couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind had kept him from dying? Whichever filter you see God in your life through, has massive implications for this life and your eternity. But what I love about this moment, Jesus is moved by what moves you, even though he knows how the story ends. This should stun you, right? I mean, guys, if you've seen a movie and your girlfriend or your wife is watching the movie and you've already seen it and it's that part that makes every movie great, but we kind of cringe because we want to, oh, it's going bad, it's going bad. And you might just say to her, hey, hey, Put your happy face on. I know how this thing ends. Jesus, knowing how our story ends, doesn't put a happy face on. He fully enters in emotionally with his presence in the reality that you're facing. Don't you love that? I mean, imagine a God who writes himself, himself into the story as a baby who becomes a poor man who offers his life on a cross. And then he fully steps into the moment you find yourself in today. You know what I need? I don't just need someone that steps into the moment with me like Will taught us on Friday. 
I also don't just need someone who brushes my current circumstance under the rug and is like, dude, it's going to be okay. I need someone who both fully enters into the moment and tells me it's going to be okay. Right? I need someone who says, hey, watch my story. Your story is going to end up like my story. There's going to be a moment when the world looks at me on the cross and they're just like, oh, my father's going to fully enter into that moment even while we feel separated but he's also going to get me through that moment. That's what I need. And then in verses 38 through 44, moves along, and Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. In other words, it's too late. He has been dead. He's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Not the first time. They took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. (laughs) I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let that man go. Resurrection means it's not too late. He's been there four days. I know, I know. I'm only going to say there are three. He has been there for four days. I got it. He, he already stinks. Sometimes we are too rational for our own good. We start off with desperation. Would you do this? And then we try to tell God who wants to do the thing we're asking him to do why he can't do it. Resurrection means it's not too late. It means you're not too old. It means you're not too far gone. It means you haven't done too many bad things. It, means, it just means there's still hope. Second thing you see in this text, though, is that um, Jesus wants you to believe him. Not believe facts about him. He wants you to believe him. Jesus says in this text, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. But we reverse it, don't we? Here's how we play it. Show me the glory of God that I might believe. And some of you, the reason why you haven't seen what other people in this room have seen is because you haven't even stepped into belief. And what you think is what I think too, but I'm going to tell both of us we're wrong. What we think is, if we would have saw Jesus bring a dead man back to life, we would be Christians on the spot. Hold on. A lot of people see a lot of things. Two very different reactions. We'll get to it in a moment. Third thing I want you to see just from this text is Jesus is calling you by name. It's always personal. It's always personal. It's not just come out, Lazarus, Lazarus, Shauna, Justin, Ernie, Jason, come out. And then he says, get his grave clothes off. Why? They don't fit people who are going to live forever. 
I want to ask you this question. What grave clothes is Jesus calling you to take off? What grave clothes is Jesus calling you personally to take off? Is it anxiety? You're like, but Ben, I've had it my whole life. It is overwhelming my whole life. I wouldn't know my life without it. Oh, you can know a life without it damaging you and destroying you and paralyzing you. That's grave clothes, and grave clothes don't fit someone who will live forever. Maybe for you, the grave clothes you need to take off, the grave clothes of shame and condemnation. But Ben, you don't know what I did. Ben, you don't know what they said. I'm here to tell you what Jesus did, and I'm here to tell you what Jesus has said. But Ben, I just keep giving in to lies. But Ben, I'm addicted. I know those are grave clothes. And should you step by faith into this resurrection life with Jesus, they don't fit you anymore. Take them off. After everyone witnessed what took place with Jesus and Lazarus, there was a response. I mean, when you hear something like we're hearing today, it always demands a response. But as I said a moment ago, the response wasn't the same for everyone. It says that many people put their faith in Jesus that day. Something that you can do and we'll have an opportunity to do today. But not everyone. Verse 53. Explain this to me. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. From that day on, they plotted to take his life. You see, it's not just that you get to take your grave clothes off. You need to understand how you get to take your grave clothes off. Here's how I'll say it to you. Jesus put on grave clothes so you could take yours off. I mean that literally and metaphorically. Jesus put on grave clothes so you could take yours off. Well, that first Easter morning, John, who's been writing to us today, and, and Peter, two of the kind of closest three guys to Jesus, when they got up that Sunday morning, they ran to the tomb. And it's wild. They did not, when they arrived there, they did not see the body of Jesus. Do you want to know what they did see? <laughs> what they saw that morning is what I hope and pray you will see this morning. Listen to this from John's account. You will listen to him writing in the third person. And the first thing he says is that they both ran to the tomb. And don't ask me why he puts this in, but the Bible is fascinating. John just says, I outran Peter. Just, just a little jab. It's my book. I tell it how I want to tell it. Seriously, verse 4, he's like, the one disciple outran Peter. He's talking about himself. Verse 5, talking about himself again, he says about himself. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, there it is, and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. When you read John's statement about why he wrote his gospel, here's what he said. I wrote this so that you would believe, so that you would believe that Jesus is who he said he was, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, so that you would know. I saw it with my own eyes, 
I saw him die. I saw him rise from the dead. But first thing I saw before I, I believed was his grave clothes. So, so yes, Jesus put on grave clothes so you could take yours off. But also, Jesus took off his grave clothes so that you and I could have resurrection life with him forever. They saw and believed. Do you see? Do you believe? Every one of you should have this card that says Easter at Epic on your seat. Even if you have no intention of filling it out, please just hold it up for a second. When Jesus did what he did, a response really was kind of demanded, and it is demanded, I think, today. And we can be like the group of people who are like, you know what, that doesn't, that's, that doesn't even move me. Or we can be like the group that goes, wow, he is who he says he is. He's done what he said he's going to do. And the first one just says, I'm ready to start my faith journey. Even if this is surprising you, maybe this is exactly what God's been up to in your life. That somehow you would end up here with everything that's happened in your life and in our world, and this would be the day where you begin your faith journey with Jesus. If that's you, just let us know. And what you can say, even in your heart right now, is, Jesus, I've got a lot to learn, but what I've learned today, I give my life to you. I've seen what you gave for me, and I want in. I want your life. I want to receive forgiveness of my sin. I want this resurrection eternity with you. The second one says, come back to my faith. Here's what I know. It's not that many of you have never had faith. It's just that life got in the way. Disappointment came for you, heartbreak, pandemic. You, you faced something, and you, or you just got busy. And what I want to tell you today is that Jesus is always talking about a return. He's always talking about a come on back, like let's start this again. And if today is the day for you to go, no, that, I, it's time for me, whether it's been a decade, it's been six months, It's been a season. It's time to come back to your faith. We'd love to help you do that. Whatever you decide today, we have a book on how to follow Jesus. We're going to give every person who makes any decision. And then the third one is to be baptized. Guys, baptism is a sacrament that really depicts resurrection. When you're lowered in the water, your old life has died. And it pictures this new life that you've been given, which you may have received before today, or maybe you're receiving right now. We have baptism next week, and we do it pretty often, usually monthly here at Epic, and we would love to help you take that step. And here's what you've got to know. If you can't take that step in a community like this, how will you live for Jesus out there? This is for so many of us. Now, if you're a person who allows your circumstance to determine whether or not you think God is loving, then when you, like so many, saw Jesus on the cross, you perhaps would have said, oh my gosh, I guess God the Father doesn't love him. But if, like Jesus, you knew the Father loves his son, then you would know, like Jesus, hey, this is the current scene, but God already sees how the story ends. And I don't know what you're facing today, but here's the last word I want to give you before I pray for us. What has happened in your life may be the worst thing, but it isn't the last thing. And the last thing will absolutely be the best thing. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you that with you it's always personal. 
You're always calling us by name. You're not just speaking to the hundreds of us present. You're, you're calling us each individually by name, and which means we must respond personally. We cannot respond as a crowd. We cannot respond for our children or our spouse, nor can they respond for us. We must respond for ourselves. And I pray that you would come alive in hearts all over this room, watching online right now. Jesus, thank you that Mary and Martha could appeal to your love to change their circumstances rather than thinking because of their circumstances, you must not love them. Jesus, you know the grave clothes that each of us continues to put on. We've worn them for so long and we think they're eternal. We've become unfortunately familiar in them and we can't imagine a different reality. But God, would you see past that and would you call us by name to remove our grave clothes, to step into, by faith, the resurrection life that you offer to us. Jesus, I pray for those who are feeling called to you. I pray they would have the courage to say, it's time to start my faith journey. Lord, for those who, for whatever reasons, have been away, I pray today would be a day of return. And they would find you with your arms open wide, ready to receive and then to move forward with them as they go through the rest of their lives. God, you know what we need. And so some people in this room, God, they're saying, hey, the one you love is struggling with this. The one you love is struggling with that. Would you come and do something? God, other people are convinced that they're in the last chapter, but would you say, hey, I know this is a painful chapter. Would you say that to their hearts? But this isn't your last chapter. God, would you keep moving in power, opening eyes, helping us see helping us trust. If we believe and we exercise that faith, we'll see the very glory of God. May that be our reality today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand at this time. There's a decision you make. Don't put that off. Don't delay. The resurrection is available to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.